Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Fast to Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for December 12th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or on our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on all called podcast platforms and applications. You could follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box to sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time uh, you can set up a donation one time or reoccurring, no obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joining alongside, as always, K-Slow, in case we were kind of catching up off air. It's been a long few weeks for both of us, but how are you doing right now, buddy? Oh, brother, I'm good. I'm good. You know, uh, last week, I think I said this two weeks ago, but you know, last week is my busiest working week of the year. Your personal life, as in your home, uh, just about crumbled to the ground last week. So I know you were planning on doing an episode that ended up yeah. working out. That you know that uh, that that happens. I know just a fraction of what went on with you, and I don't blame you for not doing a wrestling podcast with the limited time that you had. But I'm I'm glad to be back. You, you know, uh, my house is haunted. Uh, I, I I think that's the long and short of it. And uh, I I've. I'm up to basically five plumbers, three foundation people, and and general contractors on call trying to figure out what's up with my house. But uh, I, I I do want to give a, a special note of thanks to uh, Mark, aka Guts Dozer. He was on call for us trying to get together and do a special voice gate. Uh, Mark does a lot of the great YouTube content with uh, Dragon Gate, and it just did not work out for me. And it's it, it, and it's solely on my end with that with my house and everything like this but it seems like we are getting through that at least i kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel and we might know how this house is haunted this is why i get case for having a house that i jokingly called a that had a murder garage a garage that i thought was haunted 
And I shouldn't have said that from the start because I just cursed myself, basically. Yeah, no, it sounds awful. Uh, it's, a, it's a bummer for me. I was looking forward to actually listening to an episode of VoiceGate. I, I, you know, sometimes we'll go back and listen to the things we do, but I was all excited that you were going to have a guest on last week that I was going to be able to consume and give opinions on. And that did not happen. But again, bigger fish to fry. And now, now the Dream Team's back, baby. We got a lot to talk about. And speaking of Dream Teams, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Dream Teams, maybe not a Dream Team, but uh, let's just lead off with this case. The Tokyo Sports Awards. I was going to make some joke about the Saito Twins. Uh, we and... Look, we, we do this every year. Tokyo, yeah. Sports, Tokyo Sports Awards on the Open the Voice Gate podcast. It's an event. We have opinions. We're, we're upset. We're flustered. It's, it's what we do. Yeah, so earlier today, Tokyo Sports announced the 2023 Tokyo Sports Awards. Of course, this is the one that is voted on by the uh, Tokyo Sports staff. And it, interestingly enough, over the last few years, we've kind of seen a consolidation with these awards. And the consolidation continues as for now, the uh, third year running Dragon Gate is completely shut out of any categories. The MVP is Tatsuya Naito, not a realistic possibility there for dragon gate but best tag team and newcomer awards kind of seem a little bit like what 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 are we here chop liver guys yeah well let, let's go let's go through these because you know obviously dragon gate podcast but you and i have opinions on this sort of stuff you know like you said mvp this year was tetsuya naito second place robo takahashi third place sonata and fourth place getting nominated but getting no votes was kano other than maybe a Will Ospreay snub here, I don't have any issues with that. I mean, it's interesting that Sonata did so poorly, but, you know, it's, it's Sonata. That's kind of what I expect. Yeah, and it's something for me, at least. I think everyone was all right giving Sonata a little bit of a leash. I think for people that kind of... It's very easy to just immediately walk uh right off sonata but like there was legitimate reasons for sonata and it's something where the fact that his the whole entire year kind of being based around him and he's not even making it through the ballots is is a little bit surprising um i i have to say even though she ended up injured towards the tail end of the year especially during the five-star grand prix a little surprised that tom nakano didn't receive a nominee can i ask you a random big picture Japanese wrestling question. Oh, these are my favorite kind of questions. Yeah, what's up? When Keiji Muto hits his head on the pillow late at night in his palace, I'm sure, who do you think he's more proud of, Sonata or Kai? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I think that there's a good kind of thing to be said that it's maybe kai you know because kai kind of like forged his own path like he kind of shook it off and did his thing you know yeah like and became legitimately very good well, well i mean more so he was able to make money for himself that that, that that's I true feel like that's more that what mudo would say but for us yeah no i i would say that the growth that kai made outside of wrestle one is so much greater than it's not after I, I think the most washed opinion in wrestling, like the biggest eye roll I get is anybody that makes fun of Kai. Because I just think you're just not paying attention if you're not. And I'm not, look, I'm not saying he's Toshiaki Kawada. You know, I'm not saying he's Muto in 2001. But anybody that 
in 2023 going into 2024 has the like eye roll like oh kai i don't want to. it's like what are you talking about the guy's great guy guy's a contracted drangate wrestler now he fits right in with the promotion you know he he's been around for five years now which is uh, almost sickening to think just because of time but he he has done so much in the last five years that has impressed me and, and i was somebody who was number one in the kai hate squad for a very long time i I, I don't know. You know, Sonata's obviously been the IWGP champion all year. I haven't enjoyed anything he's done. He's not a not a wrestler I've cared about in many, many years. And uh, I don't know. Sonata's peaked higher, but I feel like Kai's had the better career. And I think that you... I, I'm someone that, like, there's a certain romance to me about someone who's able to go in and do a lot of different things. I guess, like... My favorite wrestler of all time is Terry Funk. I b- still believe that he's the greatest wrestler of all time. And a lot of that is the fact that he lived in so many different wrestling timelines and did so many different things. And to me, Kai, like, say what we will about his uh, Onita phase, but, like, I don't think he was that bad of a deathmatch wrestler, or at least that style of FMW-style uh, wrestler this. We saw him as, like, as a junior in all Japan I think like he was pretty fine with that. And I, I just kind of look at Sonata and I feel like if this is what we're really seeing out of Sonata, given his career and how things were really positioned for him, I think you have to walk away thinking better of Kai in 2023 than of Sonata 2023. If you're looking at it from that sort of angle. Well, I think this, you know, this is like, we deal with this in sports sometimes. It's like, you know, Zion Williamson will probably be looked at as a disappointment because he was the number one pick in the draft, even if he has a better career than, uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, maybe that's a bad example. But, you know, Sonata will be looked at as an underachiever for his entire career. Kai will be looked at as an overachiever because I think where Kai was at one point in Wrestle 1 as this real bottom of the barrel sort of embarrassing champion to where he is now, that's a huge success story. And Sonata... I, you know, again, I, I mean, I gave up years ago, but I still think everybody is just kind of waiting on that. Like, when's he going to be the guy? When, like, he's, you know, he's the champion, yes, but when is he just going to, you know, be an unstoppable force at the top of the card? And I think people now realize that's not ever going to happen. Yeah, and I think that it is something that there will be people who will, will forever think that it's going to be Kai's year, that, like... Kai's year in the G1 kind of was a little bit of a joke for a little bit. That so we not were his always... year in the G1. I wish, I wish Kai was in the G1. That'd Kai, be great. Kai in the G1? Like, imagine Kai in that C block. You know? Oh, God, yeah. A, yeah, little, yeah. a little Kai Tamatanga three-and-a-half-star match in, in, in Nagoya. Just I was like, oh, you know, it's kind of sneaky good. It's yeah. like it's like one of the, like, seven New Japan matches that the Segunda Keita guys will watch all year. And they're like, when you think about it, it was actually the best match of the year. It was the you know, best match I've seen since this six-minute to Jerry match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of that vibe. Yeah, yeah, but, like, it, it, it's something where I think because Kai went pretty heavily from being like he was a junior wrestler for a good portion of his time before Russell won. So I feel like that the expectations were so different for him. And because of that, there's still people who have that expectation of Sonata that like sometimes some guys are just not that guy. And I think that it's something that new Japan has a very interesting kind of next decade of trying to figure out 
who's the guy who's not the guy who is a guy and who's just the guy. And it is something where with Sonata that people are still thinking that he's going to be a capital G guy when he's just a guy. Well said. Uh, match of the year, Tokyo Sports Awards. The winner was Shinsuke Nakamura versus Great Muta, also receiving votes. Omega versus Osprey from Wrestle Kingdom. Biohara versus Nakajima from Noah and Cork and Hall. Uh, Naito versus Okada from the G1. Marafuji versus Osprey from Noah. And Hiromu Takahashi versus Fujita Jr. Hayato from Michinoku Pro. Any thoughts on this? I think expectation was that best match, most notable match is usually what it translates to. Surprised that it did great Muta versus Shinsuke Nakamura versus Kiji Muto versus Tetsuya Naito. But I guess since Naito already got the MVP award, they weren't going to give it to him for that one. So it made sense to go for uh, great Muta versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Do love to see the junior Hiromu love. Yeah, yeah. I look. It's it's oddly enough, it was a match that I thought was a little disappointing. I thought there were a lot better Fujita uh, Fujita Junior Hayato matches this year, but it is nice to see that you know. And I I wouldn't have batted an eye at Omega Osprey or Miyohara Nakajima. I mean, I thought I don't even know if I watched the Muto Nakamura match. It just the thought of it was so putrid. I don't know if I ever gave it a look. But I'm also I'm also not surprised that it won. I mean, a few years, you know, 2015. Okada and Tenru won. Now, granted, Okada Tenru was a legitimately great match, but it was the same same sort of vibe as Nakamura Muto. Yeah, it's just whenever you see best match, you go in your head, okay, what you really mean is most notable, like what would be the, the one on the cover of the magazine of the year, and you go with that one. And as long as you have that mindset, you'll never get disappointed with this category. I said this in the Discord. I can tie this into Drangate here real quick. I said this in the Voice Wrestling Discord. I think when the Hiromu Hayato match came out, I am really disappointed with Hiromu as a touring wrestler. And we saw it with him and Yamato at Kobe World this year. And I used the example of like, you think about when Liger used to go around and Liger would work Noah and he would work Michinoku Pro and he would work Osaka Pro. And, and Liger outside of New Japan was an entirely different beast than New Japan Liger. And both of them were great. But honestly, I always preferred, you know, Liger and Noah or Liger and Osaka Pro. because He, he was, was such just, a, a tremendous I, prick coming oh, into God. these promotions. Yeah. I mean, the, the Liger Osaka Pro stuff, if you've never seen it, I mean, that's really, that's some of the best work of his career. And I would say the Noah work might be the best Liger run I've ever seen. I, you know, again, I'd, I'd put it right up there. And Hiromu, he just doesn't have that. Like he, when he's in Dragon Gate or when he's in Michinoku Pro or if he's in America, he's just doing lesser Hiromu matches. He's not doing anything different. And he, he did so many of them this year. I think it was a real missed opportunity because he started off the year as like, oh my God, Hiromu's back. And Mike, you know better than anybody. I've, I've been a, uh, a quiet Hiromu hater for many years. And this year he turned me and I was like, all right, he's back, you know, screw the neck injury. This guy's figured out how to work again with the current state of his body. And the second half of the year, he just, he showed up at all these promotions. And I never, I never loved those matches the way that I wanted to. Cause I thought he was just a little bit boring as an invader. Yeah. And like the funny thing is, is the, uh, the promoted Hiromu match is the one with Fujita Jr. Hayato. And 
Fujita Jr. Hayato case, I think so highly of his 2023 and because he has kind of been that touring guy in a lot of ways. And, and whenever he has shown up on shows, I've always, he, if it is either Dragon Gate, Glade or other Michinoku Pro, or he's always brought in for the big altogether shows, he always sticks out as like the traveling star, much more so than it, than Harumu does, I feel like. Was the All-Star Junior Festival show this year or last year? It was this year. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he was, first of all, holy shit. That, oh my God, that feels like it's about 10 years 2023. ago. 2023. Jesus 2023. Christ. That was April. I was... I was already in this cursed house when that show happened. Oh my God. Well, he was great on that show. That's why I brought it up. I just, I, you could have told me that was 2019. I would have been like, oh, that's the other sounds right. I couldn't remember if it was this year or if it was five years ago. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just one of those things that like, I feel like this year has really felt like the year that has gone by super fast, but also I go back through my notes and go like, oh yeah, case we had Ray de Prejas come back this year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Ray Day Parejas, Tag Team of the Year, this went to Bishimon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi, which, sure, fine, whatever. Uh, Saito Brothers also got votes. Team 200 Kilogram, which is Chihiro Yashimoto, and you received a vote. Astronauts of Takuya Nomura and Fuminori Abe nominated and received no votes. And then it also looks like House of Torture and Suwama and Hideki Suzuki were also in there. So this is really the first one where you go, huh, not even a Dragon Gate nomination? You, know, you don't want to throw Susumu and Kanda in there at all? And I guess I, I, I should I should throw it to you real quick. Why is it that Dragon Gate gets snubbed routinely in these awards? Oh, Dragon Gate, uh, pick up a copy of Tokyo Sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, like, that's really what it comes down to. Like, it's not necessarily a thing where you go, like, to, like, Weekly Pro. Weekly Pro, there are people that still, like, cover Dragon Gate with that. Tokyo sports is it, it, it's just one of those things that Dragon Gate's based in Kobe and whereas the conglomerate promotions who are, who do a whole lot of advertising in these things, it just kind of has turned into a certain thing where the fact that the Saito brothers got the win there and Yuma Aoyagi got the one there, got win as well. So two non, uh, non-conglomerate winners, that, that's kind of where it went this year, you know? So it's just Dragon Gate never has never done traditionally very well in Tokyo sports, especially after the advent of Cyberfight. Usually Dragon Gate would get one award win each year, just as they kind of piece it out throughout there. But since Cyberfight and Bushi Road bought stardom, that has not been the case. Uh, continuing on here real quick, outstanding performance award. This went to Hiromu Takahashi, Kano, Sonata, and Jake Lee also received votes. Jake Lee, remember him? That's, uh, I wonder how Noah's feeling about that acquisition right now. Jeez, like, that is someone that, like, sparks a mini, uh, boom for All Japan, then gets the belt taken off him, then All Japan goes back down, leaves, has a, business with him was not great, but there was, it did feel like something at least, and then, God, he just looks like, uh, Dave, he he dresses like someone that would be like a backup dancer for like a Dave Navarro music video. Like I, is, I am not, I am not going to quote what Rich Krejci said about Jake Lee in the Voices of Wrestling Slack today. But did you see what Rich said Jake Lee looks like? Uh, let me pull this up right now. It's excellent. Uh, it's good stuff. You know, while while you're looking that up, look, I've got some, 
I don't want to call it a scoop, but I've got some oh, info on, yeah, on pro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. I, I, I did not even bother mute hitting my cough button and leading up to that. We're just going to – I'm going to make sure that what, what – one of the things I always do is have something that deletes out the silence for us. No, I'm making sure that that, that just weird noise I just made. Like, oh, I, f- oh. I feel bad for people that don't write for the website. That was a – there's a spicy little <laughs> common rich left that I will not be reading on the air. I don't want it attributed to me in just any way. Sass. Just sassy. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk about Noah later in, in relation to Drangate and just the state of that promotion, which I, uh, you know, I so, some people are talking about the Noah bounce back they had this year. We will not we will not be doing that on this podcast. I I think we're a little bit more tuned in, but that's okay. You know, no disrespect to uh the people tweeting about stardom's sustained business and Noah's bounce back. That's not going to be on this podcast. Uh, real quick, just rounding out here, Fighting Spirit Award, which normally goes to a Dragon Gate guy. This year, it went to Kano, Jake Lee, Yuma Aoyagi, and Kazuhika Nakajima also received votes. Your Technique Award winner was Show after uh, a... Uh, no, oh, no, it, no, it, it wasn't. Yuma. It was it Yuma was, Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. It was Yuma. Uh, the way it was listed to your show was first. Uh, it was Yuma Aoyagi, which is well-deserved. He was a top 10 wrestler for me this year. Uh, show received votes, which was laughable. And then Newcomer Award. No, it wasn't Ryoya Tanaka. And the same way that in 2020, it wasn't SB Kento. It, it was a team who had wrestled 75 matches over two years going into this year. The Saito brothers somehow win the Newcomer Award with Bolton Oleg, uh, Rilya uh, Oiwa and Zones receiving votes as well. Yeah. Um, hey, when you send your big, muscular, former sumo twin tag team around the country and basically let them never get beat, you'll make them feel, you, you'll forget those 75 matches, Kate. Oh, boy. I mean, what? I, look. I'm glad they figured something out. I mean, look, I've watched more Saito Brothers this year than I had the prior two years, and there were same, certainly same. there, there were certainly yeah. some stuff there that I enjoyed, but I, I don't think they qualify it. Even if they did, there's a lot of Ryoya Tanaka talk coming up later in this podcast, and if you're not all in on him, that conversation is going to be very annoying. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say though, Oya ahead of Bolton. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm with the voters on that. Uh, I, I do not watch enough Evolution Joshi to say if Zones is the best one there. Oh, to, well, to Mike, honest. let me tell you. Let me tell you all about Evolution's Joshi. Okay, yeah, yeah. What you got? What <laughs> oh, you got? God. I, I mean, where to begin? You know, I, it's like I don't even want to talk about it because we'll just – that'll be the podcast. We'll be doing the Evolution's <laughs> Joshi podcast tonight. <laughs> let, let me ask you, before we talk about Drangate, yeah, I have, I have one more. Just I, I had a thought today, a random thought, and I want to know your opinion on it as it pertains to the state of Japanese wrestling. Sure thing, go right ahead, bud. Okay, we've got the the Tokyo Dome City Hall Gleet show coming up on December thirtieth, and I think you and I, well, I mean, we should do a preview of that next week, and we should talk about it after the show happens because it's a big show with a lot oh, yeah. of ex extra guys. I I know you and I have thoughts on it. I'm I'm dying to see what that show does because what did they, what did they do earlier this year? They're like two thousand people. Is that about right? Their highest attendance. Uh, it was the most re- they they got up to two thousand at the Gleet Verge Mega Sumo Hall show, but in that building, I the most they got was twelve hundred for Tokyo Dome City Hall. To my oh, knowledge, me, off the me, top of my head. Yeah, let me double check. I thought they the show they did there this summer. I thought did really well for their standards so i just want to double check real quick 12, before i throw 90, this at you 1279 that 1279 one. okay oh 
Okay. All right. Well, let me let me still throw this in your direction. So, if Glee, let's you know, let's say they do two thousand fans, two thousand fans at Tokyo Dome City Hall or whatever, and Noah were to run that same building, and Noah were to exclusively use Noah talent, so you know they get Kano, they get Shiozaki. Uh, they, they get, you know, if you want to throw like a Manabu Soya in there, they get all those guys, but Noah can't use any outsiders. They can book whatever they want, but fully homegrown Noah talent. What draws more this upcoming late show on 1230 or a homegrown Noah show in Tokyo Dome City Hall? Gosh, that is, that's a hard one to pick, man. Okay. So. Does it can they be homegrown people who've come back or they have, do they have to have been under consistent full time Noah contract? What's your example? Who are you asking I, about? I, 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 I'm assuming that like I'm not gonna have any issues with like Go or like Kataru, right? No, uh, well Go Go for sure, because Go works there. I don't I, I yeah. don't I, I was thinking has yeah, Suzuki I, done no, I don't think Suzuki's no, done no, Noah no, this year. No, I, I was I, I was blanking for a second. There. Yeah. Uh, I think it will probably still be. I mean, it's not as strong. I think that it's it's the weaker Tokyo Dome City Hall show that Glades had this year. Like, I think the show that they had this summer was bigger than this one. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I I I think Noah barely barely beats Glade in that. So probably about thirteen hundred. And what what do you you know what is it Go versus Kano for the GHC belt? That's probably the biggest match they have right now. Oh yeah, it has to be Go versus Kano. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you if you don't have Go there, then I mean, then we're really probably that the, then Glade's probably going to beat them. I think honestly. Yeah, like you can't screw up that main event. Right. God, I I gotta say I completely forgot until I read it yesterday that. Glate did T-Hawk versus Tamora at Sumo Hall this year. I just completely forgot that already happened. And that they did oh, yeah. T-Hawk, and now that you're going to run it back, and Tamora's probably going to win, which I think you should. I think that'd be a good move. But I just, I like, in the same way that I had to ask you when the All-Star Junior Festival was, the the Glate Sumo Hall show, just, I was, it men and blacked from my mind as soon as it happened. I was hit with the zapper, and it was the erased. The rest of the industry should have <laughs> zapped themselves in the head after that show. I mean, we, we discovered, like, uh, what, what all it was going to take for Shima to show his whole ass to the entire wrestling industry, you know? like Yeah, I look, 2,200 fans on Sumo Hall is not a, not a good luck. Yeah, yeah. I think that for for someone like Hiromu Takahashi, that should have taken any MVP vote possibility out of the mind. Like the fact that he was on that show, you know. God, this is this is like a show in five years. We're gonna look back on. I mean, Minoru Suzuki and Shinya Aoki versus Fujita Hayato and Yu Azuka. And they she- just like completely overwhelmed. I remember this double match. They completely overwhelmed Azuka. Like it was not, and it, it was not like a good kind of overwhelm. No, no, because no, nothing in this promotion is actually productive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> if that's a guy the thing. gets beat up, he just gets his ass kicked. Like there's nothing else to it. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the, and that's like the wild thing about this whole the, about that whole like show was like at the end of the day, what they had was Kota Ibushi beat up. Uh, all of the people that Shima commenced to jump, basically. 
Yeah, like, I mean, Ibushi pinned a Sheeta in the, after in the final pinfall. Awful, awful, like like that. And it, I, I'm now thinking about the uh, Diamond Egotus uh, incident case. And yeah, no, this show is just like one of those wild ones. Yeah, yeah. Let's see Izuchi breaks someone's jaw, still loses an MMA fight. <laughs> well, then it's like like Shima Katsuyashi Minoru Tanaka versus Atsuki Oyagi Hiromu Takahashi and Jun Tancho. I think that show, if that match existed on any other show, I would have been super into it. But I just, I, I it just felt so hollow on that show in particular. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the, just like the oh, fact God. that like Tancho was involved. If it was like to- if you toss in like Takanori Ito or like El Lindemann in their case, you toss El Lindemann in there, you're totally fine about that on this show but the fact that it's the six these six guys on this show is what makes it sad and i and i like Tancho, show but hey, oh, I love the, the whole thing is just what an uncomfortable show i completely forgot they had already done that main event of t-hawk and tamora and now they're gonna run it back next week and i you know we'll we'll talk about that because i think it's an interesting show and i you know it's very interesting i think a lot of different people have a lot of different vibe checks for where they're at like there are people that are super into Kento and Takuma still as a tag team. And I don't, you know, look, I, I, I hope I don't get labeled as like, I have an issue with them because they left Dragon Gate. I don't give a shit that they left Dragon Gate. I think they've lost the plot as humans. And I, I worry about their future as a successful wrestling tag team. Thus, I'm way less excited for their match than I should be. You know, and there's matches like T-Hawk and Tamora and Ishida versus Yamamura, which I know both you and I are, uh, not into in the slightest. It's just a very interesting show, and I think a lot of different people are either looking forward to different things or not looking forward to different things on that one. Yeah, and it's something where like you you come out of that, and like no matter what, and as that company goes into twenty twenty four, do we see anything like really ever changing for them as how it's constructed? No, no, no. It's that's just... always my that's always my thing with them. Yeah, and you you kind of just like take a moment where you like look at all of this and you look at like how it's constructed. You bring in uh Hikaru Shida. They you bring in Hikaru Shida to team in team with Maya Fukuda who refuses to wrestle. And you, so you have to do like a Ledet UWF match and you, you go up and down the show. And at a certain point you're just going like, okay, you're bringing in Ike Manjiro because Cutler and Cabana are on this show. What are we doing here? I completely forgot about that. And I saw like, and I saw like, I've not been super online at all for the last week or so. I saw like folks going like, oh, Sheamus bringing back the magic with a four way six man tag. And I, and I, I caught that. And it's like, you know, it's cool. Like, like a six man tag is happening, but like, let's not get things twisted about what this really is. When you have a, like a 12 man uh, tag match that has Harley Jackson and Tomoaki Hanma in it. Like, let, yeah. like, let's not get it twisted here. Like, th- th- there's just a lot of things that I find very kind of not n- n- not like perversely interesting, but just like w- w- just like as like an observation, like where what what made people think like SBK and Takuma that, that like this is how they should be presented at this point. Like, I, I'm they, stunned. I'm stunned. They're not wrestling each other. I said that after their debut. I really thought they'd be on this show in a singles match. And, uh, you know, they booked him in, a, in what could be a great match, but I'm just, I'm not there mentally with it. Yeah, like, we're, like, that's the wild thing about this case. Like, we are so much, more, like, when we look at that tag match, we're both more excited about Kazma and Chuck. 
Much more exciting. Yeah, yeah. No, you and I are presidents of the Czech fan club. I, I'm trying to break that guy out of there, get him in all Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wanted to see what happens if we can get Czech in U.S. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. I watched Mochizuki work two two matches in the U.S. and people didn't care about him. I don't know if Czech Shimatani is really going to move the needle at all, even though he should. I, but yeah, uh, even though he should, even though I, he should. I uh, I didn't think much of the the uh, the common American wrestling fan before two weekends ago, but uh, God bless the state of Iowa. God bless Slipknot and the Wrestling Revolver crowd. I mean, credit to Wrestling Revolver for bringing in Mochizuki, but boy, did they not care about him up until he essentially shoot-punched Mike Bailey in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shoot-punched Mike Bailey in the face, ending the match, and I was just like, all right. It, it actually made Masaki Mochizuki more cool in my books, guys. For like what? And it's very hard for him to be even more cool, you know? Like, yeah, he just I like mean, that, it, it. It, well, let, let's let's talk about that real quick. I mean, we had that yeah. schedule for the bottom of the show, but I, I will we'll talk about the current Dragon Gate stuff in just a second. But, you know, Mochi worked Wrestling Revolver and he worked West Coast Pro. I tried really hard to get him a Chicago booking and it did not happen uh, just due to financial situations. I, I said a few weeks ago on the podcast, you know, I talked to. I talked to a Midwestern wrestling promoter, not somebody affiliated with a promotion in Chicago, but somebody that books in the Midwest, respected promoter, runs a nice business, and is well aware of how talented Masaki Mochizuki is. And I, I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this guy about Mochizuki coming to the U.S., and he was like, great, love it. Our audience is not going to care. And he asked me what the rate was, and I gave him, you know, what I thought Mochi was asking, at least what, you know, the number we heard. He goes, nope, not where I lo love the guy. Would love to book him. Can't do it for that sort of money. Crowd's not going to care about him. And, you know, obviously didn't end up on the show that they ran. So, you know, he he worked Wrestling Revolver versus Mike Bailey in what I would call a legitimate dream match. And then West Coast Pro Wrestling against Brian Keith. And uh, both were both were enjoyable. I thought the speedball match was a little bit better. But it, it really showed like Dragon Gate has no footprint in America. They just they they do not they do not get any sort of pull whatsoever. Yeah, it just really and I know Mark was at the West Coast show and I think I caught him in the crowd being like one of like the five people like leading the Mochi call during his entrance theme. And it it, it was one of those things that I think it really kind of shows us like it, it, it ain't 2012 anymore basically and i really enjoyed the brian keith match like case it was a masaki mochizuki match in america based around punching someone in the stomach like it is like the like my favorite kind of thing to watch with masaki mochizuki but yeah when this went from something where initially it looked like that he had kind of like a wider calendar and it kind of curtailed into the more as it kind of got closer just into these one these this one week in these two shows and right back to Japan, it kind of became very clear, like stuff that we were kind of feeling throughout the last DG and USA series as well. Just how little purchase there kind of is right now for the dragon system amongst uh, at least American indie fans. Yeah. I don't know, you know, how to rectify that. I'd like to see somebody uh, that's not a Shun. That's not a Yamato. That's not a Mochizuki go over there and spend time in America the way that like Mao did for DDT. But I also like, I think maybe Mao gained fans, but I don't think there is a, an insurgence of DDT fandom. You know, I, I think less English speakers are watching DDT than maybe ever before. So I just, I, I don't know what to do. I was thinking about that in relation to 
just where Japanese wrestling was at 10 years ago, because we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of Mochi versus Yoshino, which kind of blew my mind to think about. And if you go back to that time, it's like, one, I think it was still cool to be a hardcore wrestling fan that watched wrestling. I think there was more discourse on wrestling itself rather than scoops with a Z. And that certainly hurts things because right now scoops with a Z is kind of the cool thing to be into. I also think, you know, you go back 10 years, New Japan World had just launched. They launched at the end of 2014 and no other promotion had a paywall. So you were you were watching it on Daily Motion. You were watching it because of Real Hero, rest in peace. And so everything was just a lot more accessible. And now everyone has a paywall. Everybody has a different thing. Uh, you could argue outside of Wrestle Universe, which we've, you know, we've heard people go, Wrestle Universe is actually too good. People don't go to DDT shows because Wrestle Universe is so great, but there's issues with World. There's issues with the Dragon Gate Network. It's just, there's not a convenient way to watch Japanese wrestling, even as we progress into people's, uh, uh, you know, it being a more normalized thing, there being English commentary. It's just harder to break that seal and even though you and I might love the idea of the investment of Drangate going to America and trying to trying to break in, even if it's working with a GCW or a Black Label Pro promotions that you and I don't typically like, I, I just I wonder if it's even possible anymore. It seems like now is the hardest time to do it uh, compared to any other version of the U.S. independent wrestling scene as we know it. Yeah, and it's something where I think you kind of look at this and you know who's kind of like the test case and this is not me picking on uh her or her fans that kind of is like the test case of like this is kind of what what it is right now especially about people flying into the united states it's maki ito like you, you i think that we've seen that maki ito over the years and really over the last like 18 months where she's now basically full-time in the u.s like at this point she does do a, a lot of tokyo joshi pro but you how when's the last time you, you've heard about like makito and tokyo joshi pro like it's something where you kind of transcend that and you depart and you kind of go that way i feel like and i feel like that's kind of the path that like because you brought up mao and i feel like that kind of is a thing where like mao got more interested in in mao gigs you know like when rena Yamashita comes over. There's more interest in Rina Yamashita. There's not more interest in freedoms, and I think yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, God, I mean, if I was a Japanese wrestler that wanted to get out of Japan, now's the time to do it because you know you work a few American gigs, and if you catch on, you you know you can you can get out of there and make some money. But as a promotion trying to break in, I just I don't I don't think it's a realistic venture right now. Yeah, or it's it's a thing where like you see how uh prestige is you do it jointly with like prestige and tokyo joshi doing the combat princess show or how gcw and everything with like ddt and tokyo joshi through that is like through like those things but i don't think you have something where we reenact 2006 through 2010 all over again i just don't think that that environment is possible because of just various different ways of how wrestling consumption has changed and just logistics it just does not necessarily fully make sense and also another case in point of that like just not not further going in on the joshi scene but there's a reason why like you see a lot of these kind of fly by now 
night, uh, Joshi Focus promotions pop up. And that's not because of the strength of the promotions like Stardom and Tokyo Joshi Pro. It's being able to get wrestlers beyond that. And I think that that, that, that tells you a lot about the state of that. Yeah, I, I ultimately think it comes down to this, which is that, you know, if GCW announced a WrestleMania weekend and they had Bloodsport and they had Spring Break and they had, you know, the human garbage can Effie, they had his his show and then they did GCW versus Dragon Gate as a feature show. I think that would be the worst selling of the bunch of, of whatever the whatever the GCW party pack is, you know, the Billy Starks dream match produce show i think that's going to draw more than than gcw versus dragon gate and i just think that's the reality of it and i don't know how this promotion uh will overcome that even though i think they're doing some things right and you know the dragon gate network has become more accessible there's english commentary i just i i think it's the wrong wrong time to venture in and the mochi stuff was cool i'm glad it happened i i hope mochi feels like he got an appropriate or at least a warming response in america but uh, not uh, not something that I expect a lot more of in 2024. Yeah, I just think that other than people kind of wanting to do it, I don't see it necessarily as like this this beachhead. Like, and I didn't, and it was one of those things like coming out of 2012, 2022 case, we kind of felt the same way. It just felt like this kind of repeated itself again this year. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So that is what we've got in terms of a bunch of other bullshit. Let's talk about the fact that we have an Open the Dream Gate match set for Final Gate 2023, Mike. Buddy, we have a full card for the Final Gate 2023. But yeah, let's talk about the Dream Gate match up first. Uh, Three-way match. It was set at the Corkwin Hall show from last week. I have a written review up at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Madoka Kakuda will be defending, and it will be against Shun Skywalker, but it will also be against Luis Monte. We have the first three-way Dreamgate match in over a decade. Off the bat, your thoughts when you saw this announced? I thought that, and I wrote about this in review, this might be a little too cute by half for some people, the idea of this, but it allows them to kind of find a way to move everything around and let Skywalker enter 2024 as champion still have skywalker and luis monte up ahead of you and do it in a way where no matter what kakuda is going to look a little worse after he drops the belt but you're he doesn't have to take the loss i guess i think if it's a if they're able to pull it off and if we're able to this time last next year when we're talking about final gate 2024 we're talking about like man they actually managed to pull it off there with those steps with uh the three-way at Final Gate last year. I think that if it, it, it there's a level of difficulty here, case I think with this, and a little bit of perhaps are being a little too cute by half. But I think that there's something here to this. I think that it's actually a pretty smart idea. That at least was my uh, response immediately after, and I think it's something in the time after that where it does feel like it's another instance of a little bit of marginalizing Kakuda, but I think that kind of is where we've come to. Okay. That is where we differ. I, I think you're, you're largely on the money here, but I actually think this three-way match might be the best thing that could have happened to Madoka Kakuta. And I, 
I, I am the opposite of a lot of people. I actually think on paper, this is the right match to book. Where I worry about it, and where I don't know if they'll be able to pay things off is in the execution of this match. And we can talk about that in just a second. But you're kind of put in this scenario where let's say you do Kakuta versus Ben, or even, you know, wishful thinking you do Kakuta versus Doi. It might be hot. The crowd might be into it. But you know what, Mike? I think you would agree the focus of this promotion, the driving force right now is Shun versus Monte. Would you agree with that? As soon as Shun cost Luis Monte the mask, the new story became this one, and it just was when they were going to pay it off. This has been the story since July. So you don't want to do what you did at World, where Kakuta came in cold, and he came in in the second most hype match, and then he had a he had a bit of a dud, you know, a bit of a match that wasn't as good as it should have been, and you don't want to do what you did in August, where it felt like, you know, Minora won King of Gate, and then somehow overnight cooled off and the dangerous gate match was cold and you know you got lucky with gate of destiny i think they told that shimizu story well but kakuta beat shimizu so you have to continue the story with kakuta you don't want to put him in a situation where you're doing again you know kakuta versus ben but there's a shun monte match on this show whether it's a singles match or a tag match of some sort where that's what people are more excited about i think actually getting him in the mix here is the right thing to do. You know, again, we're going to look back at this Kakuta run. It'll be the single biggest asterisk on a Dreamgate reign since the Yamato 2016-2017 run, which was interrupted by Summer Adventure Tag League and then Tozawa retiring. And by the time we got through that, I, you know, I was already sick of the title run and that's before he defended versus Cyber Kong twice. You know, that, that, that Yamato run was doomed to fail from the start. And I think they did everything right getting Kaku to the belt, but this run was kind of doomed to fail from the Yoshioka match. I, I think they set him up to fail with a lousy story and a second fiddle main event on the biggest show of the year. And it doesn't matter what he does. That reign is just not going to be what it should have been. So attaching him to the hottest thing in the company, I don't think is a bad idea. The problem, and I'll ask you what you think is best before I go over a few, uh, a few possible scenarios is I just don't know how they get out of this without one person looking extremely dumb. I think it's the right match on paper, but logistically, I'm really worried about the finish. Yeah, that's where I think it, it's going to require a little bit of death, deafness to it, because I think that the if you're able to do perfect world, what you do is you have Skywalker beat Louise Monte in some fashion there. So you're building up more momentum to get Louise wanting to get uh Shun one on one. You he can have like a visual pin on the Super Tigre. You know, he can get that in the lead up there. You give him the very visual pin, but he should lose there. And I think that that's you can't have Kakuda take the fall, basically. I think you have someone there in Monte where you have this match as a way not to have the big match here. You know, like, that's the thing. It's like, we're going to have Shun Skywalker and Luis Monte one-on-one -on -one for the Dreamgate sometime in 2024. It's just not do. It's taking it down the notch it needs to take down to be able to build it back up again and doing it in a manner that does not completely uh, just trip yourself over when you're trying to build back up next May into probably Luis Monte, Shun Skywalker, Kobe World 2024. 
Do we think the worst scenario to come out of this is Monte winning the Dreamgate belt? No, no. I think that it's something where it's going to really, really put the onus on his challengers, I feel like, to get to carry the bulk of the booking, you know? I, I think that it will make things a little difficult, but I think the worst result is Kakuda just pinning Skywalker again. It's okay, see, that's where I disagree. I actually think that's the route they're going to go down. I think the worst thing you can do here is have Monte blow his Dreamgate wad on a three-way match in a in a quite literally cold Fukuoka building. You know, it, it's a very risky venture. Even though they've done a three-way match at this show before for the Dreamgate belt, I think it's a really risky venture in a building that is just, it's cold no matter what. Like, the crowd, it, it's a famous thing in Dreamgate. The Fukuoka crowd will show up. They'll be there. They just are not going to make a lot of noise. For whatever reason, this is not a hot crowd. I think it's a dangerous move, a risky move, to try to tell a story-driven three-way match the way they're going to. But I think the worst thing you can do is have Monte win in the three-way match, whether you pin Shun or Kakuta. I just think that's a terrible move. Save it. You know, he's not, he's not going anywhere. I don't think no. he's going to get any colder. Save that moment. Yeah, I, I just think that you just really, like, extending this Kakuda title run at this point is going to start causing damage. Like, and I think mm. that that's long-term more of a hazard than a what I think we would both would agree would probably be a shorter uh, Monte first title run. Like, we'll, like, you couldn't see him having it much deep into 2024, would you? No, but I think that kind of ties into, you know, something else I was thinking about, which, you know, look, if if Shun wins the belt here, which I don't think is impossible. I mean, quite honestly, I advocated for it. I, I wanted Shimizu to beat Kakuta and I wanted Shun to beat Shimizu at this show. I thought it would have solved a lot of problems. But if you have Shun win here, I, tell me if, if tell me if you think this matters. He will now be a three time Dreamgate champion. That'll be more range than Doi or Susumu. And that'll tie him with Shima and Mochizuki. And it's why I think they might not go back to Shun here is even though I think he deserves it, even though I would put him certainly in the upper echelon of Drangate wrestlers historically. And I think anybody that's watched him over the last few years that has a clue would understand that he's been the best Drangate wrestler going back to probably 2019 at the very least 2020. Are we ready to say that Shun Skywalker is a three-time Dreamgate champion? Do you think that matters? And do you think they might prevent him from winning because of that? I think in the greater scheme of things, uh, Shun Skywalker three-time Dreamgate champion is an inevitability. So it is something where it might be more so just the recency where it'd be like, well, that was three title wins in less than three years for him or really i mean we're talking end of 20 yeah three years basically for him so i just i i, I wonder like if, if that's a real big consideration personally for me i think that the fact that you know he came back up the face run and that was like a full-throated baby face like let's like build up this guy into the future that allowed you to do the second run, which basically was the Kakuta story. And then now you can do the Monte story. 
And I think you'll be fine. I, I think that they're, it's a legitimate thing to think about, but one way or another, he's going to have that. I mean, I would not be surprised if he's someone we're talking about four or five. I don't know if he's going to break Yamato with six at this point, but uh, he's going to be up there. So it's just mattering when they want to cross that line. And and I think he should, you know, the, the thing that I go back to with Shun in both the, the show to show analysis of it and the big picture of it, you know, as I, as I start submitting wrestler of the year list, you know, I had Shun as the third best wrestler in the world this year behind Osprey and behind Danielson. And the reason is that I just, I think Shun elevates people in a way that very few other wrestlers do, you know, Dragon Gate has a through line of consistency that is very high. The working standard here, as you and I talk about all the time, the working standard here is higher than it is in most other promotions, but the working standard with Shun Skywalker is much higher than it is throughout the rest of this promotion. And I think he's a guy that, you know, again, all year I've kind of advocated, like, maybe maybe we should put the belt back on him. And I think I'd be okay with that if he pins Kakuta coming out of this show. But I also think there's a real possibility that they are simply trying to link Kakuta to the hottest program there is in the company and that he's going to pin Shun and that he is going to go on. And I really think it's surface level analysis. I think it's a, it's a little too simplistic to knock Kakuta for not being the hottest thing in the company at this point. Again, I think you have to go back to the Kobe world program, which I said, that's the match to do. I just would have done it entirely different than the way that they built it. But now you're talking about a guy who's, who's combating years and years of story, uh, a mascara contra mascara cage match. There are just bigger factors at play with Shun and Monte that are going to lead to that being a bigger story. I think it's really too simplistic to be like, well, he's the world champion. He should be the hottest thing in the company. They might, they might be doing him a favor by linking him with Shun and Monte here and not trying to have him get overshadowed again through what I feel is no fault of his own. Yeah, like at the end of the day, I just think that he's been booked horribly. Like this is not him. Because we've seen, especially with the Shimizu storyline. and The, the and Shimizu we'll, match was great. The Shimizu yeah. match was everything we've asked for. Yeah, if, if, if we walked out of Osaka case and Kakuda laid a complete egg, there would be all the justification in the world to go like, maybe, you know, in retrospect, you know, that the Menorah, everything of Menorah, like he should have been able to carry up that end of Menorah. I mean, Menorah has been the golden boy. That's someone that you should be able to get across that line. Or Yoshioka has been the guy. He has been the main character. You should be able to get him past that line. Like if he stank in Osaka, that would be a legitimate conversation. I just think that it's at a point with him where you continue with this, where you're basically like, yes, case, absolutely. They are putting him on a leash to the hottest thing in the pro in the company, because in the last year, whenever he's been attached to the hottest thing in the company, or when he's been the hottest thing in the company, great things happen. But what's going to happen after that? If he, gets the win on Skywalker, then we're looking into January. Are we really going to keep on doing this where we're going to have another a, a, a week January with Kakuda in an aimless Dreamgate program that he's booked into? It's not him. It's not. It's never been a question of effort. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's going to be interesting because you now have Gate of Bayside at the end of January. You know, you're going to have to fill that building with a real match, with a real headlining match. You know, we would all assume a Dreamgate match. You don't have to do that in Wakayama, you know, but you, you've got to do something in January now. And that's not something Dragon Gate is used to. It's not something they've really ever had to do. So, you know, if you want to power through and put your head down with Kakuta, I think that's an option. If you want to start fresh with Shun and do, you know, Shun versus Yoshioka, Shun versus Mochi, Shun versus whoever the fuck, I, I also think that's an option. Anybody but Monte here, and I think you're doing the right thing. Yeah, I guess, like, I am I just had, like, a chill case that they're going to do, uh, that, that they would do Kakuta versus Kai at Bayside and not really do much build whatsoever. Like, that's my fear. Mike, I think I, I that might be it. That yeah. would not surprise me at all, because when's the last time Kai hasn't wrestled for the belt since he lost it, right? No, he hasn't. And who, who did he lose it? He lost well, it well, Yoshioka two years ago yeah world yeah that's okay well that's what they're gonna do yeah and they'll they'll do vibes i'm sorry not vibes they'll, they'll do you know monte and hyo and maybe a third versus zebrats and that'll that'll be it i i i think that's the the front runner right now unless you know because i i you know again it would just it would be such a waste to do monte versus kai only because it, it, he shouldn't win the belt in a three-way you know it's just that that, that is like so short-sighted and unnecessary. But I think if you're drag it, you can sell yourself on, well, okay, well, if we do Kakuta versus Kai, that's a safe match. Then we just got to get to Osaka and Osaka's low pressure. And maybe they get the belt off Kakuta and Osaka. And then you can really heat up something for Aichi. You know, you're talking about, you're talking about really two more defenses before dead or alive that you need. And if you do him versus Kai, I think it's really safe. Yeah, I just it, it it is something then that like eventually at a point you you wonder like is it actually like the business like it's been up and down with him so like there's not something really telling us you gotta get a belt off him the the houses are tanking like it, if anything the company is now strong enough that Hyo had gave them the strongest cork and hall show that they've had since Kness retired. Like, the company is not in awful circumstances, but the champion is someone who's very up and down. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the last Corkin number was just about on par with what they did in December of 2019. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I've said this before, but what's lost in the pandemic is, you know, how big some of the Drangate houses were in 2020. I mean, they were really ramping up to a, a special level, you know, that hadn't been seen since the OWE exodus that you know obviously they just got wiped away nobody thinks about january february 2020 attendance figures but no the the hyo house was again that you know it's a it's a monumental win i mean we're talking about specific new japan shows and specific all japan shows that do better than that and that's it yeah but it it, it is something where the company's in this kind of bolstered spot because of that and it's not at kakuda's benefit i guess is what i'm getting kind of getting to and it's not I, I just wonder like if it's something where it are, are they just constantly trying to like restart the engine with Kakuda case like like that's where I'm kind of like coming to the conclusion like they they constantly just think he needs a jump start yeah I mean maybe I maybe it's just a problem with the Dreamgate belt it just feels like there's constant tension there when you think about this era of Dragon Gate you know you can go back to the Shun run where 
depending on who you ask, it was either this actually super underrated run or it was this cursed run where everybody got hurt and, you know, you have the Ben K concussion and you have the Kakuta injury and you have this and that. I think you and I thought it was, you know, this great run. And then you had this Yamato reign where I just remember every month there would be tension because it was like, all right, Yamato gets through Minora. What the hell are they going to do next? Oh, it's going to be BB Hulk. Weird. Okay, they get through Hulk. What the hell are they going to do next? Oh, they're going to do Ben K. Okay, all right. Well, now they're going to do Kai. That one at least makes sense. And then Kai wins. And then when your first defense is Kai versus Takashi Yoshida, you sort of have to go, well, wait a minute. What are they doing with my Open the Dreamgate championship belt? Kai turns out to be an okay champion. Yoshioka, I thought, did everything right. Shun's reign was so short that it doesn't matter. And now we're back to this tension that you had with Shun and you had with Yamato and you had with Kai. We're just on three years, basically, of them uh, of us going, what the hell are they doing with the Open the Dreamgate Championship? But I think the perception of this company to lapsed fans would be drastically different if we if we had more reigns like the Yoshioka one, where month to month we kind of knew where things were going, we knew what the champion's purpose was, and the matches were great. And even if the matches are great a lot of the time, over the last three years, there's just been a lot of question marks over the most important thing in the promotion. Yeah, and the wild thing about the Yoshioka run, like if we want to kind of take uh, the other side of this, is Yoshioka's run was not universally loved either. Like, I know I was a big proponent of Yuki Yoshioka, whereas I look at Yamato's runs recently, I kind of go, uh, towards it. But Yoshioka is not a dissimilar wrestler, and that run was not dissimilar from how Yamato's early runs were solidifying him. And I know that there was a backlash to that as well. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I think that's fair. I, I don't think you're wrong for saying that. I also just think... The people that didn't like Yoshioka's reign were largely wrong. I mean, I just, it was great. It served a purpose, had a through line story. Uh, you know, I, I i was very, very baffled by people that weren't into that Yoshioka reign. Just didn't make a lot of sense to me. It It is something where if I was not so, like, questioning about Yamato, I would have been exactly at the same spot as you are, Case. But since I'm someone that I just thought... You, I, I think there is an issue sometimes with uh, the kind of just uh, white meat babyface ace champion that happens sometimes with Dragon Gate. And the I think promotion's Yoshioka. never booked it well. Historically, it's never, yeah. you know, I mean, you have the Mochi run, you have the Shima run and, you know, 2011 uh, and then, you know, 2012 and beyond respectively. But it's not their thing. You know, you, know, you think about, you know, the heel Yamato runs. You think about the heel Shingo runs. You think about, uh, you know, uh, uh, what uh, what Pac did, you know, what Ata did very briefly, even, you know, I, I think very fondly of Kai's run. That's the sort of stuff that seems to resonate, and they they don't always nail these babyface champions. And Kakuta, I, I just, I really think, you know, when you watch him in these six-man tags, now these eight-man tags with Tanaka joining the fold, it's the Madoka Kakuta that we loved in 2022, that we loved in the first half of 2023. It's when they get him by himself then it just seems like Drangate loses the plot and thus they lose Kakuta in what normally makes him so special. Well, Case, one champion that I don't think the company has lost the plot with whatsoever as a babyface is the new Open the Brave Gate champion. Since we didn't have a show last week, we can kind of talk about the uh, title win for one Hio defeating Ishin at Corquin Hall, follows that up with a defense in Saitama against Jackie Funky Kamei. And 
booked on the uh, Kyoto show from this weekend. We have a new Bravegate challenger up ahead for Hyo as well. Ginky Horiguchi getting Hyo and, and Fukuoka on the 24th. I got, I got to say, you know, I, I said for about a year as we were just anticipating whatever the, whatever the Hyo turn was going to be, I knew it was going to be a smash hit. I knew he was going to be over. I knew he was going to look great. I didn't expect it to be like this, where I don't want to say he's stealing Monte's thunder, but oh my God, does he come across like a megastar in some of these matches? It just feels like, oh wow, like there were moments as like Hyo fans before he turned heel out of Mochizuki Dojo where he would get some crowd response and it'd be like, okay, there could be something there. Like maybe he's going to be like an enduring kind of baby face. Like you're like, oh, this is kind of the thing you want to see from a guy of his size. Maybe the crowd latches on to him and he's going to be like a ginky kind of figure. Like you like you heard that for like a, a while. Then he goes and he has this heel run. And case, I think he kind of has taken the the momentum out of uh, uh, Luis Monte's kind of uh, sales a little bit, just if only because now with how the act is around Big Hook so much, I think that is just something that the the crowd has like really latched onto Hio. It seems. Yeah, and look, Monte's not doing himself any favors with the bad Ichiban promos, and we didn't really talk about the the segment that led to the three-way with GM Saito and, you know, Shun and Kakuta and uh, and Monte. I don't think it was very good. I don't think it was horrible, but I, you know, I, I didn't think that was a, a major win. So I, I think Monte is is doing the right things in the ring. You know, I think as a wrestler, he comes across great, but Hyo is just this this special charismatic package that is really hard to describe until you see it. And part of it, and this might sound dumb, he's got the best handspring of any wrestler I've ever seen. And there is something about that with his look where it's just like, all right, I'm locked in on this guy. You know, I want to cheer for this guy. I want to root for this guy. I want to, I want to see what he does next. And this Brave Gate run, you know, it's interesting going back through the lineage of this title this year, where you have Ishin make a really big deal at, at where, you know, where he went at World. You know, Ishin make a really big deal about, you know, he wants to be thought of as a Pac or a Ricochet or a Dragon Kid. You know, one of these guys that brings great prestige to this title. I don't, I don't know if that happened, but I think this Hyo reign with how over he is and the possibility of new challengers, I think this could be a very special Brave Gate run. Yeah, and I think it's kind of of a way that it's not one-to-one because Hio has been Bravegate champion before. But remember how uh, Dr. Muscle KZ as Bravegate champion, like when he turned face and was like, oh, KZ's now Bravegate champion joining Dia Hearts like the, in that way. There was like, we'll see where this goes for this. And it had some legs for it as long as like KZ remained healthy for that time period. And then they got the belt off him and I think he got hurt soon after weirdly enough but it, it's something that I look at Hyo and it's something where he has he he's closer to like his 10th year anniversary than he is his five-year anniversary he is someone that has had this uh this career on the undercard and just through his creativity has been able to redefine himself so much over the last 30 months that I think that you have someone who has formed this 
this huge and legitimate crowd connection that at the very least it allows everyone face or heel to kind of like step up and get a match there and it resets the division because you have someone who is just this kind of overcome in there and kind of wash things away. And I feel like that that is the thing that it kind of offers more so than like a legacy defining or promised uh, title run that Ishan did where Ishan's matches were fine. But by and large, it felt like that the matches were more of a purpose of elevating Roya Tanaka or something like that. Whereas this time, it's just kind of like where the matches are in purpose of so far. Well, it's because Hio is just really fucking over. That's what they're in purpose of. Yeah, Hio is going to be the star of his own run. Whereas, even though uh, the the build up to Ishin was that, he ended up serving a different purpose throughout most of those uh, most of those matches. Is that fair to say? It, it, exactly. I mean, like case in point, the Tanaka match. Yep. Yeah, and I and I don't see Hio having any of those. And I think the nice thing is, you know, even though this is Hio's second run with the Brave Gate belt. His his matches during his first run. So he won the belt from Dragon Daya. He then defended it versus SP Kento in what turned out to be Kento's last Dragon Gate match. And then a Jason Lee defense and then a Dragon Kid defense and then a Tilan Shisa defense all before losing the belt to, to Minorita. So let's scratch Minorita from the record. Let's scratch Tilan Shisa from the record. Let's scratch SP Kento from the record. And I don't see Dragon Kid uh, challenging anytime soon. So at worst, you're running back Daya and or Jason Lee, both of which I would be okay with. And then you have fresh picking after that. You know, then you can you can throw anybody his way, and I think it's going to be worthwhile. The only bummer is that Ishin's the only heel that they can throw his way right now. They don't have another smaller heel, and I think that that might hurt them. I'd like to see uh, Hio do another just traditional babyface heel defense, but I don't know if we're going to get that. Yeah, that is kind of the big thing I've always been saying about Zebrats is that you don't have another person ready in the offing to kind of be like, okay, you shouldn't drop the belt. I'm right here, ready to be the next one up there. Because I do think that for this Yo run to be successful, and I think arguably we could say seven days in case, complete success. Like it, it is something where this belt, which has been... I think you can look back across the last 100 episodes case, and if you run an AI through it, you're probably going to ask it, what does VoiceGate think about the BraveGate? And we're going to say, it's going to say they're not very sure about it, but I think we feel pretty good about it. Like one weekend, it's just, I wish he had that next up heel that just because of how the unit construction is right now in DragonGate and how it's been for the last 15 months, let alone like last year, the heel side has been so thin that we don't have the opportunity and that stinks yeah i i would certainly agree with that i thought the kamei match came across very well i like the work that he did there and now we're set up for a a genki horiguchi defense of final gate 2023 what are your thoughts there so i i, I thought that the uh, it, it's something with like le- like let's be honest about Hio. he's never gonna be a work rate guy but I still walked away from both the uh, both the matches over the last two weeks. Well, with I think I was three and a half for JFK, and then I was three and three quarters for the written review. There, I think actually the Ginky match has kind of more potential than those two, if only because of the momentum we're seeing with Ginky on this 25th anniversary tour. So I, I'm really stoked for it. If Genki has anything left in the tank, and I'm not entirely sure he does for a singles match, 
But if he has anything left in the tank, it's going to come out of that heel match and it could end up being really special. I, I will say it just quickly in regards to heel being a work rate guy. The the biggest takeaway from the Ishan match, which I was the same rating as you three and three quarters and then three and a half for the Jack match. I'm glad, by the way, I'm glad they listened to us and gave Kamei a Brave Gate match after we talked about that two weeks ago. Where I was like, <laughs> man, this guy really needs a Brave Gate match. Yeah. They're like, they're like, what if we throw it on a random house show? I was like, all right, good enough for me. Um, what about Saitama? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, big crowd. Um, so the the thing with Hio that I that I took away was that I really want to see, and Big Hug is still a guy or two away from this. I am ready for another trios four way match or you know, uh, four, four guys, four teams, you know, 16 man tag team match. I'm ready for a big traditional Dragon Gate multi-man match where you get Tanaka in there and you get Hyo in there. I just feel like we're at a point where Hyo could steal the fucking show in a cork and main event in one of these vintage traditional Dragon Gate tag team matches. And watching the Eastern match, he just has that crowd control where he could be in there with Yamato, with Shun, with Kai, with whoever, and I kind of still think Hyo would be the the guy that the crowd would would focus their their uh, emotion on more than anybody else. Yeah, it, it it is something where I know that it has not been the case for a long time, or at least it's felt like a long time. Hyo right now and the traditional doi darts match. That's where you get to have get to see someone have some real Magnum Tokyo just charisma monster moments. Yeah, like, I, I that's that's a great cop. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really ready to see what he does next time he's in Tokyo and he's in the ring with Shun Skywalker. And I don't know, I I forget the the card for the upcoming cork off the top of my head. Let me check that real quick just to see what they're doing there. That is on the 19th, so that's next week. And on that show, Hyo is that's all right. Main event: uh, Hyo and Monte versus Shun Skywalker and Kai. I would expect the Hyo Skywalker uh, interactions on that show to be absolutely mental. I think the crowd is going to be so into those guys together. Yeah, and it's something where I've kind of liked since the turn and a little bit on the Kyoto show, getting to see kind of these fun class of 2016 uh, alignments now that we kind of have the four of them on completely different sides for once. Like you can have Benkei and Gold Class, you have uh yoshioka of course and d courage and they have shun staying with zebrats and hyo going his own way it's kind of it's a nice little thing to kind of go back to it now where it looked like we got a well we got basically two years of hyo and shun on the same side and now they're all separate again that's a great point i hadn't really thought about that but you know yeah all of all of these guys are in a different phase of their career and they all matter which is incredible you know you think they're four of the five guys from that graduating class and you know the the fifth one retired a less than a year into his career but for those four guys to be where they are now that is again class of 2016 will probably go down as the single greatest class in dragon gate history yeah and like you look at it just from like where they are and the three top matches in corkin next weekend next week you have a gold class match, match five. So there's Benkei. You have D Courage in match six. So there's Yoshioka. And then you have Hyo and Skywalker in the main event there. It, it, it's really neat. And especially for someone like Skywalker and, and not Skywalker, someone like Hyo, who for the entire existence of this class, 
Hio has by far been in last. It's just he was far behind. And now that it's just something, it's like, oh, yeah, now he's the one that's like the biggest star at this moment is really kind of wild to think about. I agree. So props to Hio. I'm looking forward to the Yankee match. We'll talk about that more next week when we, uh, I, I guess we won't record next Tuesday because there's a cork. And so we'll be, We'll be available later in the week to do a cork and review and a final gate preview. And uh, I, I'm very excited for his brave gate defense. Absolutely. Show. Absolutely. So uh, let, let's keep on talking about the uh, title matches that we now have set up there. Case, okay, so you said you have uh, an interesting note. Uh, we had at that cork and show uh, D courage, uh, Yuki Oshioka and dragon Daya have been calling for outside challengers. Yoshioka made it known that he was kind of a little myth that he did not get his face off against Kaito Kiyomiya in the N1 victory. Alejandro showed up at Cork and, and accepted the challenge, and it's going to be the original pairing of D-Courage, Yuki and Daya, defending the Twin Gate at the final gate versus Kaito Kiyomiya and Alejandro. First of all, not into this at all. Don't Don't care for this at all. Not into this match. What about you? Yeah, uh, it, it, it's something where uh, Kaito Kiyomiya, as like this Noah ace who's really not around in Noah whatsoever, and when he's in Noah, he's teaming with a New Japan uh, young lion and not really there. It, it's very, it, it, it's one of those years that in a decade, like thinking about Kaito Kiyomiya's 2023 is going to be a acid flashback one way or another. Uh I like seeing Alejandro, but uh, this pairing, the way they've set this match, it's a way to get uh, a Noah guy on the show. Yeah, so my antennas are up with Noah right now, just on a lot of different things. I just i i i don't I don't know this to be certain, but I just imagine there's a lot of internal panic in Noah right now because I think they realize they wasted four years with Muto and they have nothing to show for it and no one's over and they might lose Kiyomiya. And it's just, it's a very rough time for the promotion. So when this match was announced, I reached out to Dragon Gate because or I reached out to somebody within Dragon Gate rather, because I was just very, very curious to see how this came about because you have to remember all of the Dragon Gate Noah stuff last year, Noah paid for all of that. Anytime a Noah guy was on a Dragon Gate show, it was paid for by Noah. The Noah Dragon Gate joint show last year was a Noah venture they have money. Dragon Gate needs money. No one needs exposure. Dragon Gate has exposure. So I, w- I was just very curious to see what was up with this match. And I was told basically, you know, that the prevailing thought here is, is that it's not like last year's deal. This is a, you know, a barter agreement. Basically, Noah paying back Dragon Gate for getting Yoshioka for the N1. So they get Kiyomiya. And then it's also important to note that Alejandro is actually from the Fukuoka area. So hometown guy there. That's why he's in this match. So it is not what I initially suspected, which was Noah paying, uh, basically paying to play and paying for exposure, but uh, just a, a rather a payoff from the in one agreement that was set up earlier in the year. Baseball fans, are you excited for the upcoming season? I know I am. It is time to gear up and show your team spirit with MLB Shop, the official online store of Major League Baseball. Find the latest jerseys, hats, apparel, and collectibles for all 30 MLB teams at MLB Shop. Represent your favorite players, your hometown team, or relive classic moments with exclusive throwback gear. Gear up for the season at MLB Shop. Whether you're cheering from the stands or watching at home, show your love for the game 
with official MLB merchandise. Make sure you use our exclusive link, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash MLB shop to help support the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Again, that's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash MLB shop. You'll pay the exact same price, the exact same items. Everything is exactly the same about your shopping experience, but a small percentage of every sale comes back to us. So again, it's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash MLB shop, the official online store of Major League Baseball. And Alejandro is also there to take the fall. Alejandro is there to take the fall. Hometown guy, you know, uh, you know their, their hope is that he can sell some tickets that way. And uh, I don't know. I'm not into the match. I've never been a Kiyomiya guy. That's, I, I know it's a popular opinion now. I have never been a Kiyomiya guy. Never got him. Never pegged him as an ace. And I don't really think he's going to do well in Dragon Gate. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, it's just going to be like the weird like dissonance that happens with Kaito Kiyomiya in 2023 when it's not Kazuchiko Okada across the ring from like that's the thing case like not there there's nothing to this guy unless okada is there and okada gets to do his mad at youngsters routine ah look i've never never been my thing i don't know maybe yoshioka will pull something out of him i do think yuki yoshioka might be uh, the most underrated wrestler of 2023 i think this might be the best year of his career and maybe with all of those things considered he'll he'll make Kiyomiya interesting, but I would not put money on it. I, th- that's not a Galaxy View prediction there. I, I, I think that's pretty fair to say. Uh, also happening with, within the last few weeks, uh, circling back to this, uh, on the Cork and Hall show, we had uh, two new foreigners show up. Uh, Viento from Pro Wrestling Revolution out of California, along with Demos, who was also in the country working for DDT, uh, Viento has been kind of unaffiliated, but has been on the face side and Demos naturally joint. It has been a Z Brat side filling out the heel side. Uh, well, when we heard about Demos, uh, coming in, it d- did not pass our smell test. I reached out and talked to people and I was like, really, is this happening? And at the time, at least Mexico side, people were like, that's what we're hearing. And I wonder if it is something where there's like a shared ticket or he's still in the country, basically. I, I, that's just my own feeling. That's not reporting. Or- yeah. Look, when I, when I saw the, the, the Demas quote that Cubs fan reported um, about Demas working in Dragon Gate, I just assumed Demas was wrong. I just assumed that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah the, the, I think that was everyone's kind of like, really? Or is this someone just saying stuff to say stuff? Yeah, I I just assumed he had the wrong promotion. Then he showed up in DDT, and I was like, well, he had the wrong promotion. Nope, turns out working in Dragon Gate, and my big takeaway from we have the Corkin match on the 5th and the house show on the 6th, and then they'll be back a little bit later this month. I uh, could do without seeing Demas in a Dragon Gate ring ever again. Yeah, he stinks. Like, just, at I'm least not, in, the Dragon, Gate, in yeah. the Dragon Gate context, he does not. it does not work. It does not work. Viento's a guy I'd keep around. I don't, I don't think he's going to. I think this is the only time we'll see him. But I, you know, I, I there's at least something there. I have liked uh, Viento more here than I have liked watching Dragon Gate wrestlers wrestle him when they are in North. I don't know if I had ever seen him before. He's been a, he's a West Coaster. Uh, he was in the uh, tournament that. Uh, 
he was in the King of the Indies tournament that SB Kento somehow became oh, a finalist. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. That I have seen him. That I have yeah, seen yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the, uh, the thing with him is that, like, I think he's talented, and I think if he wanted to work for no money whatsoever, I think Drangate would keep him on shows. But you know the difference between, like, when Diamante started working in Drangate compared to Viento, there was a focus on Diamante immediately, much to our chagrin initially. And this is more so, it feels like guys hanging out. And I don't think Drangate takes them seriously, and I don't think they're going to be seen going forward. Yeah. And, the the one thing that actually helps out Demos is that Dragon Gate really needs heel wrestlers, and that allows them to then suddenly have five heels on a show. Yeah, they'll be back at that Corkin show. I'm looking at it right now. It'll be it'll it. Oh boy, I forgot about this. It is Ultimo Dragon and Viento versus uh, uh, Demos and Super Crazy. I forgot that Super Crazy is coming in. <laughs> Man, I, I I gotta say, I was I, I was the biggest super crazy defender up until about two or three years ago, and my man is finally washed. So I know he showed up last year. I know he worked one or two Dragon Gate matches, and uh, huh, it, you know, it's it's I guess it's Ultimo's Christmas present. You know that like the, there'll be a time that uh, Joe Gagne gets back around to doing a Dragon Gate episode, uh, five uh, five star match game. And he's going to read off Cork and shows. And I, just in case Joe's listening to the episode, make sure you save this one because there'll be a three-match stretch of Jackie Funky Kame versus Ishin, Ultimo Dragon and Viento versus Super Crazy and Demus, and then Gold Class versus Original M2K that will completely throw us for a loop in 2034. Joe Gagne, if you're listening to this, I am ready to once again do my 2023 year-end five-star match game show with Alan Forrell and Rich Krejci, if you choose to do so. I, I would be more than happy to hop on that again this year. I feel like I know less about wrestling than ever before, and that show is fun to do. So I'm hoping I can do it again. If we're, if we're going to talk to Joe Gagne directly, who normally listens, I might as well throw that out there. <laughs> it's a fun time. I, I, I like uh, sitting around the the, the campfire, the, uh, the Christmas fire, the Yuletide log, and reminiscing on on the year in wrestling when I don't watch most of the major promotions. Yeah, last year case, I stepped in for Rich, and I thought that I was going to go three straight uh, five-star match game victories, and Alan somehow cockily handed me my app. Well, I don't know. Was last year the year that Alan rattled off like Intercontinental Champions? You, you know, I'm trying to erase this loss from yeah, my memory. Yeah, that might have been case. two years ago that yeah. Secret Closeted Fed fan Alan, I'm sure he runs the AEW Botches account in secret, which is like, oh, you know, or mate, you know, I, here, here's the list of Intercontinental Champions this year. And it wasn't just The Miz. Uh, oh, God, it was disgusting. I couldn't believe it. Next up, he's just going to list off a whole bunch of Antonio Roca opponents from Madison Square Gardens and win it this year. <laughs> that, that I would at least respect that. I would at hey. least that that's historical. I like that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of historical, uh, we're starting to see some historical specialness out of one Ryuya Tanaka case. Uh, you got to see at least at the beginning of last month we saw the the, the turn the joining to uh decourage getting coming out of gate of destiny how are you feeling about tanaka now full month into deke i think everything he does is must watch you know he over the last month i think has been the most interesting guy in the company sort of nudging out shun nudging out yoshioka nudging out kakuta 
everything he does right now i think is really engaging the eight man d courage matches continue to just hit in a major way and i i gotta say you know we saw him and i'll emphasize it one more time just you know little by little every match he was getting better you know he didn't have that big standout performance like a takuma fujiwara did versus dragon daya now he's having those on the regular and now it's just a matter of people catching up to him maybe they saw him at world this year maybe they saw him at dangerous gator just on the off cork and if you haven't seen the last month of Drangate and you're behind, the next time you see Tanaka, it's going to blow your mind because the the elevation, the steps that he's made over the last month are surreal. He's become one of the crisper baby faces in peril on the roster. Yeah. And I, I I say that as like both in the he he was always pretty good at getting his ass kicked. Like we we knew before he has elevation before the brave gate match that really Tanaka could take a beating like that's that's something that if you're a dragon gate rookie and you stick around long enough we, we assume that at a certain point you're gonna be really good at engendering sympathy when you're getting beat down what i did not realize is that when he comes in as a house of fire and is and on offense that he is one of the more crisp flyers that we've seen in a long time and especially in a company that I feel like it's been a long time since we've had a real crisp high flyer, really it's Naka has one of the be- one of the better topic on the lows that I've seen in recent years. Like he is he he has his body controlled down pat. It is something that I've been wanting a flyer like really it's Naka for a long time. You know, I thought it was so interesting when we had Jay on over the over the summer. He talked about how, you know, obviously losing Kento and Takuma really hurt. But especially in the case of Takuma, they felt like they were going to be okay because they had Ryoya Tanaka. And Tanaka, as he said, was just a better looking version of Fujiwara. And I got to say, you know, there's still this shock and awe that Fujiwara brought. Because I, I, you know, nobody was expecting the six months that Fujiwara existed in Dragon Gate, which is crazy to think that's all it really was. You know, nobody was expecting him to take over the way that he did. With Tanaka, he came in with more hype. And it took him a little longer to find his footing. But I feel like we're really edging into that spot where the the Fujiwara-sized void has been filled. And that was something that the company had been missing this year was just, you know, that young high flyer that could turn any show around, that could steal the show on any night. And yeah, Tanaka's kind of at that point. I mean, you know, we talked about a month ago about the Daya Kakuta Yoshioka trio as being, you know, at worst, probably one of the three best trios this promotion has ever had. And now you add in Tanaka, and they didn't miss a beat. If anything, D-Courage only got stronger in terms of their match quality because Tanaka's not only adding a new wrinkle, but Tanaka's hanging with them, and he's hanging with them seemingly pretty easily. And you know what the real fun has been over this month, Case? It's watching D-Courage kind of figure out the chemistry or act yep. like they're figuring out the chemistry. Whereas the uh, the November cork, and it was something where it's like, that was like, oh, they don't necessarily are on the same page. Now it was the uh, match in Yamaguchi that they had against Zebrats, and it's a full Atomico machine. It, it, it's fantastic, and it's something where it's going to be so fun seeing how this foursome kind of changes over time, because what's going to happen if you decide to go all right, the gun show is going to be Kakuda, Daya, and Tanaka. And what is that trio going to look like in six months? 
and I feel like it's going to be something completely vibrant and different in, from like original D Courage and Tanaka. And there's just a lot of possibilities here that I think that the company is going to find out pretty pretty soon that like getting him to this point and it, it, it's something where like you you do see some people like Nagano and uh, Yanagiuchi not getting in those positions at the point but I I, th- I think about the time that we have lost with Nagano and with that and uh, Daiki's kind of has his role there and instead like this is kind of where I feel like Tanaka is destined to be in a way. Yeah, look, he's doing everything right right now. Like I said, I think everything is must-watch. If you missed the eight-man tag on December 9th, that is on YouTube. I went four and a quarter on that. And then without Tanaka, the main event for the 1210 Kyoto show, which was just D-Courage versus Zebrites, I went four stars on that. So I would highly recommend watching both of those. Yeah, I think like the best thing that the company has had at least over the, the last week was that Yamaguchi eight man tag. I was uh, four flat on that as well. Uh, Case, anything else you were wanting to touch on this week? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Oh, I, I had one last note. This happened on the Kyoto show. Uh, as they came back from intermission, they announced the return of prime zone prime zone is returning in 2024 case as they will be returning to kobe lapis hall trying to see where the first one was announced for but it it, it's returning for the first time since covid that they've had uh any prime zone shows and it it, it's interesting that that that's coming back especially at a time where i don't know if there's as much of a need of it do, do, do you see the need for Prime Zone right now? Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I, I try to think about this from the perspective of, do I think that the current generation of Dragon Gate wrestlers have a charisma issue? No, they, no, I do not. But there are people out there that are, are not connecting with this new crop of talent, and they're not going to connect with them through Prime Zone, but Prime Zone, and, and I'll let you kind of describe uh, it better than I will, but it's certainly going to give some of these young guys a chance to spread their wings as characters and maybe some good comes of that. Right. So I looked this up prime zone returning January 23rd. There is all the episodes of prime zone currently up on the dragon gate network. So prime zone for newer fans started as dragon gates first ever online only kind of offering that was straight from dragon gate it was their tape shows from what was called the sanctuary at that time in uh, kobe uh in the building that had both the gym and everything in in kobe uh, it eventually moved over to lapis hall and since then what it ended up being over the years uh trying to pull up the the, the this next one coming back will be uh Dragon Gate Studio Volume 86. So this will be the 86th one coming up for it. And what it did is it let people basically cut promos, develop characters, get time just in front of 50 to 100 people in the middle of the day and trying out things. And that worked also for people like um, like Kota Minora and others like becoming interviewers, like basically forcing them 
to talk on the microphone and having to give reports and do stuff like this. You you got things like that to also on the other extreme matches like how we've talked about for a long time. Uh, Super Shisa, uh, like European uh, style wrestling experiences, essentially, where he would have like matches against Martin Kirby or UT is the one we always talk about. And it, it, it's a unique and different kind of Dragon Gate and it's one that it, it's really for the benefit of younger roster members. And I guess the reason why I say I don't know if it's necessarily needed right now is when they had Prime Zone was a time where it was issues getting young guys on cards. And I don't know if that's the case anymore. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, you know, I do think it's, it's going to give Daiki a chance to spread his wings. It's going to give Kato a chance likely to be a super cop. Uh, you know, I, I'd be curious to see what somebody like Tanaka would do. And then the hope is that maybe a UT, you know, finds, you know, he takes over that Super Shisa role. You know, my hope is that we just get cool uh, Yave adjacent matches on this show and I'll take the promos as they as they come. But I, I'm not going to complain about it. I think it's cool and uh, we'll see what we'll we'll see what comes of it. Yeah. And it's one of those things that they used to do on these tapings where they would do prime zone before that they would have dragon gate next which was the precursor to the current dragon gate future project which would basically be because we we would talk to people who go to these prime zone next shows and and what they would say is oh the next portion is all the rookies just chopping the piss out of each other for 45 minutes <laughs> And oh boy it, i get so excited whenever next footage surfaces there's not much of it out there but i've got some stuff and i really enjoy it maybe that's coming back as a part of it maybe they'll phase back out a uh, future and then go for next because they won't necessarily need to have to do uh exhibitions on the road anymore did you see uh, the the new crop of dojo kids that susumu posted on his twitter yeah, there's one of the kids that look that that is like built like a square block. He's built like fucking Ricky Dozan. He's yeah, it's got so cool. the biggest barrel chest in all of wrestling. I can't wait to see him wrestle. Yeah, so it's three that pass the test, and it is something where he there's three of them. One of them is taller than him, and then the other two aren't. But there's one that seriously looks like a could be in an episode of Gumby. Like he is built like Ricky Dozen. It rules. It, it's so funny because, you know, something that I enjoy about watching old Dragon Gate is, you know, you go back to 2004 and you could see Shingo as a young boy and you go back to, you know, 2019 and you could see Kakuta and Kabune and Kame as young boys. It's just fun to see, you know, what at one time were just nameless, faceless guys you know, now they're stars and now they're, you know, you can see them as ringside attendants from when they were young boys. The wide kid stands out. I clock him every show. I know exactly where that guy's at. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a way that there's just never really been a Dragon Gate rookie like that before. Yeah. It, it, it is something where, like, I, 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 I have a lot of questions about this guy. I, 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 can't I really enjoy I, I, he, he could be awesome just by doing the bare minimum in this promotion yeah i, I absolutely can't wait uh, another great thing that's happening right now on susumu's twitter case uh he's posting backstage photos of like everyone in like their rookie phase at their like homecoming shows and you get to see like 
Do you remember Yuki Yoshioka used to wear bell bottoms, and that was like his only character trait? Was he a bell bottoms? Yeah. 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 Wild time. Wild time. He's come a long well, way. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll end on this. I, I said it, you know, twenty minutes ago or whatever. But Yoshioka, for as much as we just praised Tanaka in both the eight man on twelve nine and the six man on twelve ten. I, I tell you, man, that guy just jumps through the screen in some of these multi-man matches, and he hasn't had the sexy year. You know, he hasn't had the headlining year. But you think about what he did in Ray Day Parejas, and then you think about his King of Gate, and specifically that match with Minora and their hometowns, and then you see him finish out the year strong with D-Courage. Again, to me, Yoshioka is a top 10 wrestler this year. You know, it's Skywalker, it's Kakuta, and then it's Yoshioka. Then if you want to have Shimizu or Kamei fall in line, go for it. But I think Yoshioka, again, I've got like 25 matches of his at four stars or higher this year. And most of those are trios matches. But man, he just, he has delivered all year long. And because he's never really been the sole focus, no one talks about it. This has been the best year of his career. Yeah. And it's something where like you, th- you, you like think about it and and it's passage of time that that kind of hurts it, but we have to like think about we entered this year with Yuki Oshioka Dreamgate champion. We have that that Shun Skywalker title change. We have the uh, Ray de Parejas run with uh, Madoka Kakuda. Like these, all these things happened this year for him. It, it's one of those things that it's perhaps the the, the deepest uh, resume that I would say probably outside of one or two people that anyone else has in the world, like just like the, the depth and, and the variety to it. I mean, you're talking about like him and Osprey. I feel like. I think he's a tier two wrestler. You know, if you're going to put, mm-hmm. you know, Osprey, Danielson, Shun, Yume, Oyagi, Kento Miyahara, Okada, that's kind of your tier one to me. Yoshioka's right. just behind them. Yeah. And it's something where, I think that it's more of who's on Yoshioka's level with him at that tier, because I do think that it, that he is kind of that step back, but I think his year is more interesting than Okada's, you know? Oh, well, I, oh, the thing is with Okada, and I talked about this with Jesse Collins about a month ago on his podcast, the gentleman's wrestling podcast, the first six months of Okada's year were incredible. And then he unfortunately just got relegated to a bunch of nonsense after he lost the title. But Okada has had a better year than people realize, but I, I, Yoshioka's year might have been more interesting. Yeah, like uh, I'll give Okada credit. He had that match of Kiyomiya, which is still one of the most interesting things to happen all year. Just like, yeah, very much so. Yeah, like that is one of those things that, like, as I'm like thinking back on this, like, I feel like uh, as I'm watching the end of this Glade showcase, I, I'm wondering why I'm not rewatching that instead right now. Well, that's a, that's a good place to end it because I'm going to do a late catch up this upcoming week. We'll oh, buddy. Be, we'll, we'll record a few days later than normal. We'll get the cork and review in. We'll do a final gate preview. And uh, I think we'll talk some late next week. and It'll be a good time. I think it's almost like we have a holiday buffet in front of us. It's going to be a good one. Yep, can't wait to do that. And thanks for everyone for listening to us this week. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voicegate. Cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open Voicegate. We'll be back with you next week. We're looking at next Wednesday to talk about Dragon Gate's second Cork and Hall show in in December. The uh, the preview for Final Gate. 
and we'll talk about some Tokyo Dome City Hall Glade preview. Have a good week, everyone. Take care. Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate.